Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. In this, this last couple of months, we've been going through the theme, This Is Us. And so it's cool to actually close out this theme um, for February and tonight just dive into this. And so tonight I want to talk about something that um, I believe is something that if we as sons and daughters of God, if we as believers, as, as Christians can really grab, then I honestly believe that this will help us seriously outwork the kingdom of heaven on this earth. That this is something that is probably not, you know, like the nicest word that people love to hear. It's probably not something that people clap about all the time, not necessarily like, you know, one of those words that make you feel really great. But I honestly believe that if we can grab this principle, this is something that can literally change the game on this earth, that if the Christians can do this, then it will be a game changer on this earth. And what that thing is, is called stewardship. And stewardship is, um, you know, not probably the sexiest word you've ever heard in your life. It's probably not one of those ones that you make you go, yes, I'm full of faith about that. But stewardship is something that I believe that if we as sons and daughters of God, as called Christians, can grab a hold of, then we can actually see a serious impact in our cities, in our high schools, in our primary schools, in our families, in the world around us, and see the kingdom of God established. And, you know, I found that in my short life so far, I'm 26 and um, been married for five years this year. And um, in my short life so far, and so far what I've figured out is that if we can steward the plan of God of, for our lives, if we can steward the things around us, if we can steward this, this temporary time here that we have on this thing called planet Earth, if we can steward that well, if we can steward what God has entrusted us with, then we're actually gonna find ourselves very easily in the will of God. It's actually not hard to find ourselves in the will of God, right? It's actually like quite hard to find ourselves out of the will of God. But I find that stewardship is like a sieve, like I'm like 100% not a baker, like 100% not hospitality minded at all, which is horrible as a mum because everyone's like, oh, you must bake. I'm like, no, no, I don't. But I, I find that stewardship is like a sieve and you know, a sieve, if, if, a steward, if we can steward our life, it's like a sieve and the things that remain are the things that we steward and the things that fall out of the sieve are the things that we don't steward. And so I want to, you know, get to the end of my time on this earth here, this temporary tent here that we have, these physical bodies here on this earth. I want to get to the end of my time. And, and when I, God asked me, you know, what will remain? What will remain here after this time on earth? And I know that, you know, I would hate for myself to, to stand there and make excuses for the things that didn't remain because I didn't steward them well. But often, how many times have we gone, maybe that's not the plan of God, or maybe that was out of the time of God, when really God was actually giving that to us to steward, and we were the ones who didn't take responsibility and steward those things. And so I wanna ask us tonight, and the title of my message tonight is, what will remain? What will remain? What will remain in our lives? John 3, verse 31 to 34 says, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, and yet no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. For the one whom God sent speaks God's words, since he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hands. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on Him. 
And you know what I love about this is that the Bible so clearly speaks that, the, that God has given His Spirit without measure, without measure. And so because the Spirit is given to us without measure, our capacity to steward in this life, to steward the things that God has given us is actually about how we outwork the Spirit of God in our lives. Stewarding this life is about how we outwork the Spirit of God in our lives. And often we can find that we take a lot of things into our hands that were meant to stay in God's hands. Often we can find that a lot of things take place in our world that we feel like is out of our control when it actually is our responsibility to steward those things. And that's why stewardship's like a sieve, because the things that, the remain, uh, that remain in our lives are the things that actually are the ones that God has placed in our responsibility for this time on this earth. And the things that fall through, maybe are they things that we should have stewarded and steward should have taken responsibility for? Or are they things that we're allowed to just go because of laziness, apathy, all those kinds of things? And so tonight, as we speak about this, what will remain? Number one tonight, our responsibility is to steward this life. Steward this life. We live here on this earth. It's a temporary, you know, moment in eternity where we have this time, which is like literally a lifetime. And um, we have this time on this earth to steward this life. And, you know, it makes me think about this time. Um, Chris and I have been married for, yeah, five years this year. And, um, you know, back just before we were engaged a couple of years ago, we, um, Chris needed to buy a new car. And so he needed to buy a new car. And he was like, babe, obviously we're going to get married. We know that's going to happen. I'm like, yeah, when is that going to happen? Hurry up. But no, it was fine. But, you know, we were about to go buy a new car. And so he's like, I want to include you in this decision. It's a financial decision. So I want to make this together, all those kinds of things. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's go car shopping. And so we went to go car shopping. And, um, you know, we're out doing this. And we're at this car yard. And, um, you know, we're looking around. And then a salesperson meets us. And he goes, oh, you know, young couple, um, whatever. And so he kind of like susses out our vibe and then starts kind of trying to like do this big sales pitch at us. And Chris just goes, look, to be honest, I'm just looking for something in this price range, something reliable. Um, you know, so his priority was the price tag there. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we're making this decision together. We're probably gonna like think, you know, hopefully this will last us through our first kid, like all that kind of stuff. It'll last us pretty well to be reliable, you know, quite responsible looking, all those kinds of things. But this guy just totally misreads our vibe, thinks we're this like young couple who are just, you know, wanna look cool and be Tokyo Drift kind of vibes. So he takes us over to this metallic blue Subaru Impreza. And I'm like, what the heck? Like now I don't know anything about cars, but I just know this car is not the kind of car you want to drive. Like this is like 18 year old Drift King Chris kind of thing. So this is like not the car that I want to be seen in. And then, you know, Chris is really lovely and he's just thinking price tag again. So the guy's like selling us this car, telling us for like 15 minutes about this car. He goes, you know what, just go for a test drive, go for a test drive. He's really pushy and all those kinds of things. And I was just like, I just want to get out of this guy's presence. So we like hop in this car and, you know, go for a test drive. I'm sitting there like hating life, like absolutely hating life. I'm sitting in a metallic blue Subaru Impreza from like 2008 and it's just, it just sucks. And this guy's just like, yeah, it's really cool and you know, whatever. So anyways, we get in, the engine like rumbles, the muffler rumbles, all that, everything just starts making really loud noises. I don't really know what it was doing, but it was just loud and it was rumbly and I'm hating life, right? And so we're sitting there and I'm sitting there and then Chris goes, okay, so we go out and we're like literally just like in the driveway about to exit to do this test drive. Chris is like, what do you think? And I'm like, I hate this so much. Like, I have not hated a car more in my entire life. 
than in this moment. So we're sitting in the driveway and he's like, well, do you want me to just turn around? I was like, well, no, we've committed to the test drive now. So we're gonna have to do the block and spend 10 minutes in this stupid car. No offense if you have this car, by the way. I just like really, really, it was not what I was thinking we were gonna be buying. But if you have this car, I'm sure you love it and you look awesome in it. I, however, didn't wanna be seen in one of these cars as the driver. So, you know, we're in this car and I'm literally like, hey, Chris is like, just turn around. He's super confrontational. I'm like a bit of a peacekeeper. not super confrontational. So I was like, no, 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 we committed, like we've got to do it. And so, you know, we go for this test drive, like probably the worst 10 minutes of my life, just sitting in this stupid metallic blue car. We get back and the guy's like, so what do you think? And I was like, I hate it, we have to go. And then we left. (laughs) And he was like, oh, but I thought it was in your price range. And Chris was like, it was, but now it's not. And so we just walked out and then we're chatting about this later. And I said to Chris, I was like, what the heck was that? Why did we end up in this stupid Subaru Impreza from 2008? Like, I thought you kind of like that Drift King thing died. Like I thought you were over that. And he goes, no, well, I was just thinking price range. So I just had a look, cause that's what he showed me. So his priority in this moment was a price range, but my priority was like reliable family car, good for our future. We don't look silly in it. Like, you know, that kind of thing. And so often when we talk about stewarding this life, it's actually about our priorities, our personal development and our purity. And who knows that if we can get our priorities right and actually aligned with the call of God on our lives, then that's how we steward this life well. But if we create our priorities in our own demise, in our own um, success or in our own filters, then we actually create priorities that are probably not even priorities God wanted us to have. But stewarding this life actually takes creating a filter that is through the call of God on your life. Now, people often ask me, how do you do that? You know, I see it really simply that if you came to God and you said, God, I give you my life. I wanna live for you. You are my savior and my Lord. And you actually come to him and go, God, if you imagine a table and your table was that life and you had all your things on there that you planned, that you set goals for, and you said, God, just take everything off the table. And God, who have you called me to be? Who have you called me to reach? Who have you called me to become? And if you ask God those questions and that becomes your filter, then you can actually take everything off the table and only allow on that table what God has placed there and create your priorities, your personal development and your purity around those things using the call of God of your life as a filter. Now, so for so many of us, you might've gotten saved, you know, a bit later on in your life, maybe just recently, maybe in the last week and all of this is just wild to you. I'm not asking you to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but an abandonment, a heart attitude that comes to God with an abandonment, because I promise you, He will supply all your needs. If you need money, He'll supply that through the call and you'll be able to outwork the call that He has for your life. If we can steward this life the way that God intended, not just because we need success, not just because we need to make ends meet, not because we just want you know to get somewhere in this world, but just realizing that as we steward this life, it takes creating priorities. It takes planning our personal development to actually become the person that God has called us to be. And stewarding our purity on this earth, not just in a physical sense, but in in our minds, in our hearts, that we think on things that are noble. But through actually understanding that because the God has given His Spirit without measure, that's how we're able to do these things. Because to be honest, we're not gonna be able to do that on our own. It's hard to give up our stuff. It's hard to give up our success, but not when we do it through our God with His Holy Spirit. He's given it to us without measure that we can continuously trust and believe and have faith and stand firm on His Word to be able to outwork the call that He has for us. 
God has called us to steward this life with conviction, not with conditions. God has called us to steward this life with conviction, not with conditions. Conditions would be, God, I want, to, I, I abandon my life to you, but can you just keep this thing on the table? But conviction says, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And I trust that you will provide for my family. I trust that you will make a way for me in my business. I trust that you will make a way for me in my relationships. God has called us to steward this life with abandonment, not self-preservation. God has called us to steward this life with abandonment to Him, not self-preservation. I, can, I promise you, He will take care of our families. He will take care of our needs. In fact, He will give us above, exceedingly above what we could ask or think or imagine if we abandon to Him. Conditions won't withstand when the fire of God comes, when the fire and the storms come. Conditions won't withstand, but convictions will. And if we're looking just to preserve our life, to preserve our time on this earth, then all we ever will be will just be a preserved artifact. But if we're looking to actually be abandoned to the call of God in our lives, then we will continually be a living sacrifice for Him who actually makes a difference on this earth. Not just somebody to look to, but somebody to model our lives off. Number two tonight, steward a culture of heaven. Steward a culture of heaven. You know, our senior pastor, Pastor Mark, he was here last week, and he always says is that heaven isn't our destination. It's just a place where dead Christians go. Our job is to bring more of heaven to this earth. So our goal isn't heaven. Our goal is to bring more of heaven to this earth. So if we can steward a culture of heaven around our lives, What does that mean? We actually need to know what heaven looks like. We need to know what heaven sounds like. We need to know what heaven speaks like. We need to know what heaven is, a culture of heaven on this earth. Now, what does that look like in the day-to-day? You know, recently becoming a mom in the last nine months, you know, there's some days where I don't want to steward a culture of heaven because, you know, Harlow's being a bit of a rat. And that's just real, right? But You know, no, that cute little face, what are you talking about? You know, but often, you know, we could find like, how do I intentionally, like how do I make that decision to steward a culture of heaven? It actually takes in the secret place with God, finding out what heaven looks like so that you can become it and be it on this earth. No matter what curveballs life throws you, no matter what storms come, no matter when things don't go according to your plan or our plan, will the culture of heaven remain in our lives? What will remain? Will it be a culture of heaven or is it the things we've succumbed to on this earth? You know, at Youth Camp um, in 2018, you know, we call it the great flood of 2018. And um, if you were there or your teenagers were there, you know, it was at Noosa North Shore and we, <laughs> it just like dumped, it just absolutely downpoured. And, um, you know, we'd never seen it do that before at Noosa like that. And it just completely like flooded the entire campsite. 500 kids' tents were flooded. Not your kids though, they were fine. But, um, you know, heaps of kids, you know, their, their things were flooded, their bags were fine. I won't go into details because you'll never send them to youth camp again. But, you know, it was great, but it did flood. And so we had a few decisions to make because we knew that God wanted wanted us to steward a culture of heaven regardless. So that took actually creating a resolve long before we even got to camp. And, um, you know, so it did flood and Chris and I were just standing there going, what the heck do we want to do? Now, this is probably like the worst time for our senior pastor to visit camp, but he visited on this day and um, Pastor Mark and Lee came to camp and we're like, we're really sorry. It's like completely flooded, like the whole plan's thrown out. Um, it was a lot of fun, but, you know, we figured it out in the end. But the, the biggest thing for us, our priorities in that moment 
were to make sure the kids were dry and safe and fed, but also to continue to have encounters with God, whatever that looked like. So we were willing to do whatever, whether that meant splitting the kids up in different rooms. All of our incredible guest speakers were so wonderful. They were like, we can literally all speak. We can all go to different places, do whatever we need to do. And we're like, no, 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 we need to like, we can make this thing work. And so there was this like dingy old little blue and white tent that was probably like a third of the size of the big white tent that we did have. And we somehow figured out how to cram like 900 students under this thing. It must have been like a fishes and loaves kind of like literal like stretching of the tent pegs kind of moment because that tent stretched. And, um, you know, it was actually a phenomenal night. We saw that God continued to move, that God did phenomenal things. And you could tell that kids were actually slain in the spirit because it was muddy. So if they were falling on the ground, it was actually the Holy Spirit. It wasn't like a sympathy fall because they actually fell on the ground and they were covered in mud from head to toe. So it was awesome. But, you know, we could have looked at that situation and freaked out and gone, send all the kids home. It's flooding on an island. We're stuck here. Don't tell their parents. But, you know, we're stuck here. It's, it's flooding. And we could have freaked out and panicked when a literal storm came or understanding that the resolve we created long before we got there, knowing what God had wanted to do long before we got there, we continued to steward a culture of heaven and continue to do whatever it took to have encounters with God. And on that night, so many kids were baptized in the Spirit. So many kids were actually filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to go out in their worlds. They were healed. They were delivered. There was all sorts of wild, crazy things taking place. And I know that in our lives, it's the same. It's not just for big, significant moments, but it's for the day-to-day the everyday moments, that if we can continue to steward a culture of heaven in our lives and have that resolve long before the storms come so that when the storms come, what remains, you know, things might blow away, things might burn away, but the things that remain is the stewardship of the culture of heaven in our lives. You know, get familiar with heaven. If you're familiar with church, you're not familiar with heaven only. You've gotta get familiar with heaven itself. Being familiar with church is like just a little, like one step on the pathway to getting you familiar with heaven. This is the family of God, yes, but this isn't just what heaven looks like. We experience heaven in this place. We experience a community of heaven together. But in our own time, we've actually gotta just meet face to face with God and get to know his voice, get to know his face. Don't get so familiar with the things of this earth that we dishonor heaven. Let's not get so familiar with the things of this earth, the culture of this day, the pressures of the people around us, the traditions of this day. Don't get so familiar with the things of this earth that we actually get so dishonoring of heaven. Because God's plan is the ultimate plan. Heaven's plan is the ultimate plan. We can trust it. Build history with God. Keep trying, keep praying for those people, even if it doesn't seemingly work in that moment. Keep believing, keep pressing in, keep leaning in, even if it feels like you failed a hundred times. The one time that you actually see that your faith is actually activated, you can trust God and build that history with God that I know God's done it before, He will do it again. I know He's done it before, He will do it again in my family. I've seen Him do it before in my school. I know He'll do it in your school. Build history with God. The more familiar you are with heaven, the less fragile you'll be here on earth. The more familiar we are with heaven, the less fragile we'll be here on earth. Because to be honest, this world can be a cruel, dark place and all those kinds of things that people say to kind of freak us out and make us live anxious or live reactive or live um, in a place of constantly like standing on the back foot on the defense, ready to you know, attack what's coming at us. When in actual fact, 
that we can con continually be strong when we live in a culture of heaven. When we steward a culture of heaven, we will be less fragile on this earth. In heaven, there's no striving, only abiding. In heaven, there's no chaos, there's rest. In heaven, there's no sickness, there's wholeness. In heaven, there's no death, but there's life. In heaven, there's no anxiety, but there's joy. In heaven, there's no comparison, there's honor. In heaven, there's no fear, there's freedom. And I encourage you tonight, you know, if you're experiencing any of those things, in a moment we're gonna worship and I believe that God just wants to give you a glimpse of heaven here tonight, that together corporately we can experience that so individually we can continue to outwork that in our worlds. To carry more of heaven, we've gotta let go of earth. To carry more of heaven, we've gotta let go of earth. If we're carrying the pressures of this world, there's no way there's, there's room for heaven to fit in our hands. There's no way for heaven to fit in our hearts if we're continually carrying fear, but we've actually got to lay it down, let it go, so we can continue to carry freedom. In your life, when the storms come, you know, in the glory moments and in the grind moments as well, what will remain? What will remain? Will it be the things that you stewarded? When the sieve comes to sift out the things in our life, what will remain? And number three, lastly tonight, steward his presence. Steward his presence, his holy presence, the presence of God. It sustains us. You know, it's not for us to just contain for ourselves, but it sustains us so that we can continue to outwork the call of God on our lives. Steward his presence. You know, when, when we were, knew we were pregnant with Harlow and Chris and I were like, we just, we were asking so many friends and so many parents in our lives going, you know, how do we, how do we be good parents? Like, how do we make sure that we can cultivate, um, you know, a culture of heaven around her? How can we continue to, you know, constantly just be communing in his presence and, and, and raise her in the presence of God? And, you know, we realized that the second she entered this earth on the 30th of May at 5.51 a.m., that the second she entered this earth, we realized it wasn't us stewarding heaven around her at all. It was actually her stewarding heaven around us. And um, it was such a beautiful thing because, you know, we thought we were like gonna be great parents who, you know, like stewarded heaven around her. And we realized she's the freshest out of heaven out of all of us. She was like literally there like only a second ago kind of thing. She was the freshest out in terms of, you know, that. And so she, she stewarded more of heaven around us than we possibly could have stewarded around her. But our responsibility as parents, our priority as parents is to continue to steward His presence around her, show her how to be in His presence. And it's the same for our lives, that God is calling us to not be succumbed to by the things around us, but if we continue to actually just spend time with His Holy Spirit, walk in step with His Holy Spirit, because His Spirit is given to us without measure. So we never run out of Holy Spirit. So we never run out of a source. We never run out of something to give. His Spirit is given without measure. So we steward His presence. We're called not to contain His presence, but to be sustained by His presence. We're not called to just keep it for ourselves. We're actually called to let it out on this world around us so we can see our world become more like heaven and see more of heaven on this earth. It's the Spirit of God that qualifies us, calls us and enables us to live the life that God has called us to. You know, often we can hear statements that are like really great faith statements. We say them all the time. I'm guilty of saying them all the time. And we can pray big, bold prayers, yet we don't realize that sometimes that part of that process is a sieve coming into our lives. 
that part of that process of spending time in His presence, you know, it sounds really noble, it sounds wonderful, and it is to spend time in His presence. But sometimes that does mean a sieve comes and the things that aren't meant to stay need to go. Sometimes it means the things that we're holding on to can't remain anymore. That the more that we spend time in His presence, the more that we steward His presence in our life, actually not just taking it for ourselves, but now at working it everywhere we go, the more that that takes place in our life, that sieve seems to come up more and more and more. It comes more and more and more because what remains, what remains needs to be of God so that more of our world can actually experience Him more of that in our lives, more of His presence in our lives. You know, the fire of God, it burns away, but it also ignites. The fire of God comes like a sieve. It burns away the things that shouldn't remain, but it also ignites us. And that's why we need to continue to steward His presence. Because in a moment here, we're all gonna have a phenomenal encounter with God. We're gonna experience heaven in a tangible way like we never have before. And the fire of God will come and, and burn away the things that shouldn't remain. But then it also ignites us so that it doesn't stay in this room. It ignites us so that we can be better for our family, so that I can be a better mum, so that I can be a better wife, so that I can be a better friend, so that I can be a better stranger to that somebody who needs joy in their life that they've never experienced before. The fire of God, it'll come and it will. It will come. It comes to burn away, take the things that we can't hold anymore, but it also comes to ignite us to set us alight for His kingdom causes, to put a fire and a passion in our heart that allows us to actually create the right priorities and filters in our life, that allows us to actually, you know, get eager and hungry to learn and develop ourselves to continue to be who God has called us to be. It allows us to actually, fire purifies, the presence of God in our life purifies us, which is why we need to continue to steward His presence in our life because we constantly need to be purified. We constantly need need to be in this place where, you know, you might not be sinning every day, you know, actively, but to continually be purified so that we can be holy and show this world how holy our God is. You know, when we steward His presence in our lives, belief rises up, faith is stirred. It gives us the will to go again. It allows us that, you know, when we're questioning the call of God on our lives and going, is it really worth it? It allows us to go, yes, it is. It says to us, yes, it is. His presence allows us to carry heaven on this earth. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.